Do you know what it feels like to belong? To be accepted for who you are? Have you ever wondered why disability is often left out of the equity conversation? Welcome to the Human Is My Label podcast with the founder of Rapid and the owner of Purry Consultants, Emily Purry, a wife, mother, daughter, sibling, former athlete, disability rights advocate, and someone legally blind. Emily is energizing personal and organizational change by helping people get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Her passion about equity for all identities has fueled her commitment to normalize these conversations as Emily brings to life her own experiences to move forward together. Let's get comfortable with the uncomfortable together. The Human Is My Label podcast with Emily Hurry starts now. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I am so excited to be here with Humanism I Label on the Transformation Network. Um, my name is Emily Purry again, and today we're going to talk about a lot about myself and my story and why I do the work I do. And so I hope you all are stick with me throughout this process. Um, this is my first show on the network, and I'm really excited about it. But we'll just go ahead and get started. So as I mentioned, my name is Emily Purry. I use she, her, hers pronouns. And as you get to know uh, my guests on the show, we talk a lot about identity and equity on this podcast. And so I identify as a white female, cisgender female, and I also have a disability. And we'll talk a lot more about that throughout the shows, but I'll also talk more about it today. Um, I'm the owner of Prairie Consultants and as, as well as the founder of Rapid, which is a nonprofit. Prairie Consultants is a for-profit and um, Rapid, which stands for Rehabilitation and Athletic Performance Intersecting Disability, is uh, the nonprofit that I founded. We, we will learn a lot more about those at the end of the show here. Um, I am a mother. I have a mother, a mother of three children. I'm married of nine years. I hope that's correct if my husband's listening. And um, we are in the Oregon metro area, Portland metro area. And so we, yeah, we live a fairly normal, normal life, whatever normal is these days. I also have a guide dog named Bevy. It's like Beverly, but Bevy. And I've had her since 2018, November of 2018. And, and as we learn more about my story, you'll, you'll understand why I got her in later in my life. So um, as far as my education goes, I, you know, went to school in the Pacific Northwest in high school. And then I went up to Eastern Washington University for college where I studied psychology, mostly to avoid any kind of math <laughs> that I would have to take. Um, I played soccer for Eastern Washington as well as through the javelin for the track and field team up there. So I'm definitely uh, an eagle, eagle, eagle. Um, and then I started working after shortly after that uh, as a personal trainer and massage therapist. Um, I guess I went to massage school shortly after that. Didn't want to be an adult yet after college. Um, and so I started doing that and I did that for about four or five years, I guess. Um, and then I decided or life decided um, that I would go back for my master's degree. And I started that in about 2010 and I got my master's in uh, organizational uh, leadership. So management and organizational leadership. 
at Western or Warner Pacific, Warner Pacific College. Um, another big part of my identity that I like to talk about, and it will phase in and out of my story, is that I've always been a pretty hardcore athlete. Um, this has always been part of my identity and who I am and what I have always been proud of. And um, so, as I mentioned, I played soccer and I did uh, through javelin in high school. I played basketball for a year. Um, I pretty much could pick up any sport and be decent at it. Never uh, professional at any of them, but decent at everything I, I kind of picked up. So it's always been part of my life. Um, as we talk about my story uh, in 2009, that drastically changed. And I'm trying to work back to it now here in, in 2021. So... So the podcast, why are we here today? We're talking about everything equity, everything equity with Emily, all the E's there. Um, as I, as I tell you more about my story, it's really it, the pathway to me being a diversity, equity, inclusion, and access advocate has always pro probably been in my, in my uh, future, but I never knew that. Um, I started doing the work around diversity, equity, inclusion around eight years ago now, eight or nine years ago. Um, and I really started with just disability awareness. Um, but why do I feel like it's important to have a podcast about this? Why do I feel like we need to be talking about this more and more? And that's for a lot of reasons, really. Um, I work through Prairie Consultants. I work with a lot of companies and we are looking at diversity, equity, inclusion, especially in the, in the, uh, on the west side of the country um, and some east coast don't don't get me wrong but we really are focusing on that and it's been becoming a trend and more and more trendy and that's not something we want to have diversity and inclusion be a trend we want it to be a part of all of our cultures and something that we we eventually don't have to focus on if that makes sense um, over here in especially oregon we are definitely dominant culture in the workplace as far as white able-bodied cisgendered um, and male females mixed up but as far as pay pay gaps we are definitely still behind um when it comes to females and so in the corporate world we want everyone to have an opportunity we want everyone to feel comfortable at work and that's not currently the case for a lot of a lot of minority communities um so i want to bring awareness to that i want to call it out i want to make sure people know what it's like to be um a working minority inside the workplace and this is not just to say all the negatives but it's just to bring it to light and make sure we are all aware of what's happening um disability awareness is also one of those conversations that's often left out of the equity conversation so typically and this all, regionally this depends you're going to hear about racial equity um ethnicity we're talking about more and more uh gender equity is fairly common as far as male female but when we're talking about the lgbtqia plus community it's not as common to be talking about that but again regionally it depends um but for the most part, we're not talking about disability and some companies are doing a great job. So I don't want to discount those companies for their efforts, but others um, don't really think about it necessarily. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but we'll talk a lot about that as the, as the, as the time goes on. So I want to bring that awareness to folks. I want people to be able to bring them their full selves to work. It is 
so exhausting to have to hide pieces of your identity, whatever that identity is, to go to work and try to fit in and fit the culture and say the right things and speak the the, the same way as, you know, the, the CEO or the CFO or whoever, you know, it is exhausting. And we put more energy into that than we can our work sometimes. And so by creating that by creating that inclusive workspace, we are able to put so much more effort towards our work and not covering for identity um, and really, really uh, doing that extra work all the time. Um, when it comes to disability, the big thing that's, that's important for all of you out there to listen and hear if you do not currently have a disability, anyone can join the disability community at any time. We are, we are one of the only minority groups that you can join at any, any time. And so often people get into the situation where they're either temporarily disabled or permanently disabled and they have no idea where to turn. They have no idea what the processes are, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's for recreation, whether it's for life, like house um, adaptations, etc. So there's so many pieces of, of disability that people have to learn in a crash course if you will. And that is what we're trying to avoid because this, anyone can join us at any time. And so to be aware of it and to talk about it and to open up this conversation is so important and to not have it in the closet all the time. And, and that's why, why I'm here. Um, also, when we have stigma like we do in the community around uh, especially disability stigma, but um, uh, stereotypes and prejudice and all the things around communities, we can't move forward. And by not talking about these things, by not bringing them up, it's just going to keep those those issues perpetuating inside the workplace and in our communities. And that's what we want to break through. We want to break through that stigma. Um, also, helping people, the people in these minority communities, uh, find resources, uh, reach out to, to uh, organizations and companies that really do want to bring you on as an employee, as a part of the community. And when you get there, you're not only part of the community, but you feel like you're welcome there because they've taken those steps and that effort to really make you feel included. And in order to do that, we really have to start talking about it um, and help helping people find those resources, like I say. And then finally, just to be better, um, when George Floyd, uh, the murder of George Floyd happened, a lot of especially white people wanted to do something and they didn't know what to do or how to do it necessarily. And so we want to, the more we can talk about these things, the more options we can bring to folks, the more actions folks can take um, in, in any of the buckets of equity, whether it's race, whether it's gender, whether it's age, disability, doesn't matter what the case may be, when we can bring these ideas and we can really talk about these things and it's not weird, it's not uncomfortable. That's how people find their, their um, ability to help. That's how people find their um, space and their capacity to, to do something and not just say, oh my gosh, I wish I could help. That's, that's one thing a lot of people do. So that's what this podcast is about. I personally am going to talk about my lived experience as a person with a disability. Um, and then I will bring on guests that have other identities and we will share their experiences and we'll talk about, 
you know, they're the goods and the bads of, of all situations and really to bring awareness to how the world is different outside of our bubbles. Um, I think regionally, like I talked about diversity, equity, inclusion is very different depending on if you're in Oregon, if you're in Georgia, if you're in New York, it doesn't matter where you are. If you're globally diversity, equity, inclusion is different for all of us. But when it comes down to it, we all live in a bubble of some kind, um, whether that's your employer, which was a big realization for me. Um, when I left my uh, previous, one of my previous jobs, um, I thought the world was super diverse and we were talking about all the things and it wasn't weird to say my pronouns. Um, I, that was our normal and all of these things I thought was normal. And then I left that employer and the world hit me in the face and was like, yeah, right. That's not the real world. And, um, and so once we can step out of that bubble, or if you're listening out there and you hear like, oh, wow, what is this woman talking about and why is she talking about it? Then we can start to explore those things. We can start digging in. We can start on our own journeys, wherever those are at, um, to be better human beings. And I think in this world today, right now, uh, so much is going on, uh, whether it's COVID, uh, the, the earthquakes in Haiti just happened, you know, the, the, there's just so much going on right now that we all need to be better humans in one way or another. And this isn't political. This isn't um, religious. This is none of that. It's just everyone should want to be a better human for each other, for our families, for our communities, etc. And so when we start learning, we may not agree with everything. And I'm not asking you to agree with everything. But when we learn, we can start to plant those seeds in ourselves, in our loved ones, and really be able to hopefully grow those seeds and say, okay, I've heard that terminology once or twice before. Um, maybe maybe I'm going to look it up now on, on Google. I'm going to go somewhere and, and research it, or I'm going to read a book. And so that's how this journey starts for many people. It started for me. Um, <laughs> maybe I'll quickly tell you the story of my uh, initiation into diversity, equity, inclusion is I was in a class and I, I mentioned I... Uh, I identify as a white female, cisgender female. And, you know, as a white woman, I'll tell you about my family in a moment, but my husband's black. And so I got the white woman pass for being married to a black man. And I sat into a training. It was probably one of my first uh, diversity, equity, inclusion trainings. And somebody said, all white people, all the white people in this room are white supremacists. <laughs> And in that moment, I was like, how dare somebody call me that? My husband's black and da, 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 all the, the white defensive responses. But it came into my, my soul, my heart, my everything. And it sat with me. And I said, wait, what does that really mean? I heard what they said in the training, but it didn't really sink in until probably about three weeks later. And I was like, okay, so I'm done being offended, but now what does that mean? And so that's how the seed was planted for me. And for many, that is how it's planted. You hear something on, on media, on the TV, on the social media, whatever the case may be, and you react in one way or another. And so I hope that I don't completely offend anyone out there today, but I hope I can plant some seeds with this podcast. Um, my goal <laughs> 
is for world peace, as the beauty queens would say. But um, no, that's the it's just to help people become better humans and more understanding of people who are in situations that are different than their own, whether it's the way they look, act, believe, vote, move, whatever the case may be. Um, just because we don't live that identity doesn't mean we can't try and understand that identity. So that's what this podcast will be about. Um, and like I said, I'll have lots of guests. It won't just be me talking every week, every week. Thank goodness. But um, we will talk about just about everything. And as you as listeners would like to hear about something, please uh, write in questions about anything equity. Um, and next episode, I'll give you a sneak peek. We are going to be talking about six year old questions. And so I'll explain that here at the end of the end of this podcast. So. I will move on to a little bit more about myself and my family. So as I mentioned, you know, why is this white cisgender woman, you know, talking about equity? And that's a question I get a lot. And it's, you know, more than just my disability. So my family is very diverse. I have my, I mentioned my husband is black. I have three kiddos. One's eight, one's 17 and one is 21. They are all biracial. Um, my brother married a Japanese woman. And so I have two mixed nephews, white and Japanese. I have a close family member who is part of the LGBTQIA community. And that's been all my life. So that's been my normal. Um, myself, my brother and my oldest daughter have um, disabilities. And my, um, let's see, what else do we have in there? I think that's it. Maybe. I think I'm forgetting something. But <laughs> so as you can see, diversity, equity, inclusion is though my lived experience only lies in disability and having a disability. That's the only identity I carry. I'm cisgender. I'm straight. I'm married to a man. I, you know, I'm white. Um, my all of the other identities are very close to me in my heart. Um, I don't get a free pass for any of those identities just because they're close to me. I can only observe the world from outside of them, um, but at a close distance um, and, and really learning about the world through their eyes and understanding what they need based on what they tell me and the experiences we all have in the family. Um, my site my sight. So I am legally blind. I said I had a guide dog named Bevy. She's freaking awesome. She's a German shepherd. And um, I have macular degeneration, Stargardt's disease. And so my vision is progressively deteriorating. I am losing my central vision. So some people have their peripheral and it's coming in and people call it tunnel vision. Some people have all different types of sight um, disabilities, but mine is my central vision is starting to disappear. And so it's been since I was a kid, uh, many people have heard of macular degeneration, but it's usually in their, in their grandparents. And so with that, uh, the progressiveness is the kind of tricky thing. It's not a disability. The disability in itself, I have accepted, um, but the progression of it is always different. So the progression uh, when I was a kid was much slower. It seems like it's speeding up as I get older, but there's really not too much research on juvenile macular degeneration to know what will happen necessarily. And so we are always, you know, part of the research studies, et cetera, getting everything checked out. But 
the biggest thing for me in getting a guide dog was I was starting to lose depth perception. So curves, stairs, you know, those semi-dangerous things that can be a problem were becoming difficult to see. Um, and I was just becoming very um, untrusting of where my feet were going. And so I really thought about it. It was a huge acceptance process of now I'm to that point. I am that blind that I need a guide dog. Um, and so once I, once I made the plunge, I applied at Guiding Eyes for the Blind in New York. Um, and I was very excited. Bevy is a guide dog who's able to run with me though COVID has stunted that a little bit, but um, she is trained to run with me. So I'm still able to run uh, when, with my guide dogs. So that's been really amazing and fun. Um, so my site, other than that, I, you know, like I said, I live a pretty normal life. I am a parent. I, I do all the parent things. Uh, we go to soccer. We were at a soccer tournament all last weekend. <laughs> And we, you know, do all the things. We travel, all that. Um, and that's something that I also want to make sure and destigmatize that that parents and and, and wives or, or husbands with disabilities, we, we do a lot of the no normal things. It just looks a little different. Um, and so, so, yeah, that's my vision. Um, we'll learn more about that. One of the big things with uh, family that I want to mention is really talking about how differences are talked about in my house. So a lot of people who don't have any kind of differences, so primarily a, a white family, not mixed, um, or a, or any family of that matter of any, um, uh, race or ethnicity that doesn't have any kind of mixed race in the family. Um, you know, we get used to what we're used to. Uh, and, and so that's why a lot of the equity issues exist in our, in our culture is because we're not necessarily, um, used to seeing things that are different than us. And so when we do, it seems weird or awkward or something that sets off, you know, uh, uncomfortableness in us. And so with my family, we talk about differences all the time. Um, my daughter, my youngest daughter. Um, so my two olders are my stepkids technically, but we don't use those terms in our house. They've always, I've always been mom to them. Um, but so I didn't have to raise them. I had my daughter when she was, I came into her life when she was 10. And I think my son was seven when um, they came into my life. And so I didn't have to do all like the initial raising of them and talking about all these things. So it really only happened with my youngest daughter. And she will often ask, you know, mommy, why is your skin pink? And why is daddy's skin brown? And then when it came to my vision, she would say, why, what's, you know, what's not going, what's wrong with your eyes? What, why can't you see very good? And so differences in my family have always been talked about, but in a typical family or a more American uh, family, if you will, that's even that term's not correct, but um, we, you don't necessarily have to talk to it if you're, if your kids aren't exposed to different things. Um, and so that's the other big thing about this podcast. How do we talk to our kids? How do we talk to our loved ones so that this isn't weird or uncomfortable or awkward, which it can be, it can be. Um, so going back to this, my statement about stepkids, um, I thought it was really interesting growing up. You know, I have two step siblings um, and we always call them step siblings. 
And now it's just very different that this generation doesn't necessarily call them step anymore. Sometimes some families do or half brothers and sisters. That was another big term when we were kids. But it's just really interesting that that has never been part of our vocabulary. And I'm surprised by it because, like I said, we always said my stepdad or my stepsister and brother. And we it, we never thought twice about it. That's just what it was. Um, but now my kids, they don't know. Nope, it's just their brother and sister. And that's that. And I'm mom um, and dad. And it's, it's just that's what it is. So the blended family uh, terminology has been interesting to watch it evolve. And even I didn't even realize it until um, of quite a few, well, maybe, uh, you know, quite a few years into our relationship, but definitely maybe three years ago, I noticed that we didn't say that those things in my house. So I thought that was just something to note is always looking at the different, um, the different terminology that's used. Um even just the other day, my youngest had a question about being mixed. So she's always identified as mixed. And she said, but they're not mixed. They're not black and white. <laughs> so, you know, understanding these terminologies as kids is important because that's what makes adults um, and makes adults more aware and knowing of what's the, what the world looks like around them. And so we said, you know, <laughs> people who are mixed are mixed with all different types of things. It doesn't just have to be black and white. That's not not the uh, not the only requirement. The other group of people I would love to invite, invite into this conversation is parents of people, parents with disabilities. So like myself, parents and the people who have kids that have disabilities, but also those parents of children with disabilities. Um, I'm very passionate about making sure people know um, or, or have a place, not know, but have a place to talk about having disabilities with their kids having disabilities. And how do you navigate that? Do you do everything for them? Do you enable them? Do you empower them? And I think that's a big reason, a big reason the way I turned out that I did um, running two businesses independent uh, before I was married, I was living on my own is because my family treated me as I was quote unquote normal. And they've provided me the, the services and the, the things I needed to succeed. And so when I was treated that way, that's how I grew up. I had to work hard. I still had expectations. I still had goals. I still had to, you know, was expected to do those things. Whereas many parents, you know, maybe not consciously feel pity for their child with a disability, but don't know how to navigate it. Um, they don't know how to push a child with a disability. And so, um, I really want parents of children with disabilities to be listening today and every Tuesday at one o'clock because it's really important for the development of your child and for the sanity of yourself. <laughs> um, my oldest daughter currently lives in a um, adult foster home. I don't like that term either um, just because it's in the past has been a very bad place for people but it's the only reason we have a relationship with her honestly to this day um, we had to make a very tough decision when she was about 15 and I'm so grateful that we did make that decision to um, start really pursuing services and making sure she had what she needed but also for the health and safety of ourselves and our other two children and so that's a big part of this this conversation too but also for those minorities out there 
looking for options and looking for that intersection of um, help, looking for people to um, make sure and um, give them, them those options and those resources and that place to just listen and hear what, what to do next as a, as, a, as a human being with as a minority, as a person with a disability, as somebody going through some of the same struggles that some of my guests will have had um, throughout their lives and hopefully drawing from that. So that's why we're here. I'm so excited again to be here. And um, I, I really hope the comments and questions come in through that question um, portal there, I guess is the best way to say it. And I look forward to answering questions. Like I said, we'll talk about six-year-old questions here to close up the, the episode and we'll talk more about it uh, next week. So uh, in a moment here, we're going to take take a, a, a break and hear from our amazing sponsors. I'm going to say thank you to our sponsors again because they're amazing and fabulous. And I look forward to being back in a few minutes. Are you one of those people who doesn't understand the ins and outs of insurance? Because I know when I started my business, we needed insurance for our home. I was one of those people. If you're looking for someone to really explain and help you through this process, I highly recommend Shelly Monsivice with Country Financial. You can reach her at 503-707-5297. I can assure you, you are in good hands. Hello everyone, I would like to introduce you to Tim Saland. Tim is with Remax Equity Group and he is one of the most amazing realtors I've ever met. He is thoughtful, he is caring, he is willing to give good advice and not just going to give you advice to get the sale. If you're looking to buy or sell a home today, get in touch with Tim Salen at 503-332-1013 and I promise you will not regret it. All right. It sounds like we're back. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really excited to keep going here. Um, so I'm going to leap right into the two companies. And I, 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 I'm not trying to sell anybody on this, but it really explains the, the things I do and um, how I can help all of you out there and, and how the organizations can help you. And so that's really what I want to um, get into now. And so I mentioned I have Prairie Consultants, which is my for-profit business, and I help organizations, companies, and individuals through their diversity, equity, inclusion, and access journeys. And so that's a whole bunch of stuff, but I help companies, especially on the high level, diversity, equity, inclusion. So why to be nice to humans that don't look like us, act like us, vote like us, move like us, etc. And so because I don't live the experiences of, uh, you know, let's say a person of color or a uh, 
person in the LGBTQIA community. I'm not going to specialize in any of those areas. And so I do the high level, really entry or the foundation building to diversity, equity, inclusion. And so that's the big piece of the high level diversity, equity, inclusion. And then I have uh, other consultants that are on our team that specialize in different areas. So once we do the foundation laying, we help companies if they need more help in racial equity or if they need more help in disability justice or if they need more help in um, building awareness around the LGBTQIA community. That's where we come in and I bring in a specialist that lives that experience. It's very important to Prairie Consultants that the people speaking come from lived experience. And so that's what we do with um, uh, corporations on the high level of diversity, equity, inclusion. But then we go down the ladder into those specialty areas, but also especially with myself working in the disability inclusion space. And so making companies more uh, inclusive and welcoming to people with disabilities. So this bucket is big. It's a big bucket of stuff that we do for our companies and organizations. Um, anything from high level surveys. So that could be for all diversity, equity, inclusion, not just for disability, but surveys as to how the experiences of your current employees are as a minority or an or non-minority everyone in the organization takes the survey hopefully um, and then we can have a place to start from from there really understanding the experiences of those inside and we've also worked with people looking at their customer base and how, how they're doing from the outside treating their customers who may have other identities than their their own um, and so that's the high level um, we also do space evaluations from the humanity standpoint, the humanity lens. So uh, we don't specialize in really the code, the building code. We know it roughly, but we're not architects. But we really look at how is this space received by a human who may have a disability or maybe uh, has is a domestic violence survivor. So the, the different perspectives we bring into that space is really important to us. And so the space evaluations of companies, organizations, offices or any kind of community space, um, that's another big one. And so, again, we're not looking at the code because a lot of buildings, if they were built in a certain era, et cetera, um, have met code requirements, but there's so much more beyond code that we can talk about and that we can make our spaces more welcome, welcoming. Um, we also do uh, a lot of training, a lot of consulting for folks on how to, for example, how to make your uh, HR department more inclusive to the hiring process. So anything from the moment they log on to your site until the moment they uh, get the job, you know, where are the gaps in that system? And again, I, I specialize in the disability piece of it, but when we talk about disability and we make things more universally access accessible, we're often making it more universally accessible to all. That's the point of your universal design is, and it's not just physical space design, but also process and pr um, procedure design. Uh, when we look at that from a, a, an equity lens, we're making it better for many humans, not just people with disabilities. And so we do a lot of consulting in that realm, especially around um, HR. And then one of the big trendy ones right now is return to work for COVID. Um, how how minority communities are feeling about returning to work. And I know everyone's different in the nation or in the, in the world about whether you ever left work or not. Um, 
here in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of people are still working from home. And so that's been a really popular conversation. Uh, thinking about those communities you might not have considered. And again, I am not about shaming anyone. My, my approach is very acknowledging where you're at and moving forward, not shaming for what you are not doing or what you're trying to do. And you may have not done so well doing it. So um, this return to work situation has been really difficult for everyone. Um, HR people, I take my hat off to you because you are working around the clock trying to figure out policies and procedures and flex schedules and all of that. But um, often, you know, people with disabilities are left out of that conversation and they are often most affected by it. And so um, we do all kinds of evaluations. I've been called in to do, you know, cubicle evaluations based on we want to upgrade our furniture and, you know, is this best for everyone? How do we include everyone, etc. So Prairie Consultants does a lot of random things <laughs> because we offer a lot of different um, services. And a lot of times people come to us asking for specific things and we're usually able to accommodate them. Again, we have consultants uh, in the veteran community. We have us consultants in the disability community, in the second chance community, um, also in, and in the racial equity community. So we have a variety of speakers and, and consultants that can help in different areas who actually live that experience. Um, and so that's one big bucket of, of uh, Prairie Consultants. Uh, my podcast also lives under Prairie Consultants. So that's what we, why we are here today. So that's exciting. Uh, the other side of Prairie Consultants that I think some people will be interested in today is the side of coaching. So personal and individual coaching around a variety of things. But as I mentioned uh, before the break, parents of children with disabilities, we do a lot of consulting and coaching with them. How do we find that balance? What am I, what can I do for, um, how do I teach my child to be independent and still honor and, and respect their disability? Um, we do a lot of coaching with people with disabilities, either how do I get a job? What do I do um, through interview processes to be more normal, which is not what I want to coach. Unfortunately, we have to do what we have to do to get um, people jobs. But I also work with the companies on, you know, people shouldn't have to act a certain way to be an, a, a part of your company, a part of your culture. So that goes both ways, but we do want people to get employed. And then just a lot of people that are just stuck. COVID has impacted all of us, as we all know. Um, but the disability community especially went through even more isolation than normal. Uh, people with disabilities have a very hard time making friends because people see us as weird or different or awkward or I don't know how to act, so they tend to avoid folks. And so unless people with disabilities are very outgoing and forthcoming and will approach people no matter what, uh, often there's a lot of isolation that's experienced. And so... Uh, through COVID, I worked with a lot of individuals trying to just figure out what can I do today to get through this in the best way possible um, and and most productive way possible. Uh, the other thing with the pandemic, it we often in any kind of recession or downturn in the in the employment industry, people with disabilities are one of the first to be laid off, and so we had a big layoff once again. 
hurting our employment numbers. And so people are at home and what do I do? And am I going to get my job back or are they going to not bring me back because of accommodations? Um, you know, all these, these what ifs and the fear and the, the sadness and the, the issues that were felt around that. So I do a lot of individual coaching around that and really trying to get people unstuck in whatever situation they're in. So the Prairie Consultants website, just so you have it there, is Purryco, P-U-R-R-Y-C-O.com. It's Purryco.com. And you can check it out. If there's anything, especially if you're a business owner, if there's anything you're curious about or you have a need for, to fill, just email us because we cannot possibly put all of the services on the, on the website, especially around disability, because there's just so many different aspects of disabilities we work with companies. So that's Prairie Consultants. I think that's all. Again, just trying to bring awareness to companies and organizations to try to make this place a better place to work and be and live and trying to help individuals along that journey as well. Now there's Rapid, my baby, my pride and joy, my passion, everything of who I am and who I want to be. Um, Rapid is, stands for Rehabilitation and Athletic Performance Intersecting Disability. And someday I will put up a podcast that tells my story. Um, but as I mentioned in my intro, in about 2009, I had an injury that really turned my life upside down. And so that's where Rapid was developed. That's where we um, began um, looking at the services and that gap offered for folks in that transition from able-bodied to disabled. And so that's where Rapid came from. I'm really excited about the possibilities. As I said, we were established in 2019, November of 2019. And while we're on the next break, you can check us out at www.rapidorgon.org. Um, but we have fought our way through COVID and we're still doing amazing. And there's so much more on the horizons. Um, we're really working hard to really establish ourselves as far as funding and programs. And we're really excited for the launch of some of our new programs. Um, and then eventually our facility. And that's what we will definitely touch on when we get back from break. But it's really looking at that opportunity for folks who are able-bodied, as I mentioned, anybody can join us at any time. So for the able-bodied folks to transition into a disabled life and have success in doing so. And um, currently there's not a lot of systems set up for that. So Rapid is that place. So I will come back after this break and tell you more about Rapid and then wrap up here for the day with our six-year-old questions. So we'll be back shortly. All right. So we're almost there to the finish line. Uh, so Rapid. Rapid's mission is to help people with disabilities and veterans with disabilities accept, embrace, and thrive in their lives. And as I mentioned, we are trying to build programs right now that are COVID-friendly. We wanted to enter the world um, and bringing awareness to uh, the world. The, 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 
the health and wellness of people with disabilities and veterans with disabilities through our rapid retreats, which we are hoping that we'll get to do our first official one in February. But we're also looking for opportunities to do many rapid retreats here in the, in the coming months. But we are looking at the whole process and the whole health and well-being of people with disabilities. And so until we build our facility, which we hope to break ground in 2023, whatever that means, it's a flexible vision right now. So we're looking for property here in Oregon. We're looking for 17 to 23 acres of property that we are able to build a a retreat-like building where post- post uh, hospital so you are in a car accident for instance and you need to you you've lost your leg let's say you need to rehabilitate you go to the hospital you get everything healed up you have your basic uh needs you're able to fulfill your basic needs or you have help at home to fulfill those basic needs but now you have to go out into the world with one leg and for most people that that's not a a normal situation and nobody has ever planned for that. And nobody has ever expected that. And nobody has ever thought about that. Um, And so when you come out of the hospital, people are looking at you differently. You may not be able to do the job you once did. You uh, are, are struggling internally with who am I, what is my identity, et cetera. And so uh, there's uh, great recommendations from the hospitals and everything. I'm definitely not dissing those uh, organizations, but then you come out into life and life starts happening and it's really hard and it's really hard often, not all the time, but with uh, disabilities to transport. So driving, learning mass transit, et cetera, is difficult at first and it can be for a long period of time. It's one of the worst parts of my life is that I can't drive. Um, But when, you come to a place that helps you navigate some of that and it helps you reintegrate to society slowly by going out on grocery shopping trips or going to the gym and knowing that people are going to stare at you and look at you funny and treat you differently but then being able to go back to a facility where you have peers where you have other residents there staying at the facility um, that have experienced that and that can talk with you about that and so you don't feel completely alone um also staff that know how to work through that, know how to navigate it without, uh, you know, shutting it down, acknowledging it too much, pitying you too much, but also getting you back up on your, on your way and, and being successful in life. And so that's the big dream of rapid. And we are very excited to be on the way. Um, and, and in the meantime, we have many programs again, hopefully you went and checked out the website at rapidorgan.org. Um, we have a rapid retail store. Uh, we have a lot of equipment right now. We just got a great donation. If you're in the Portland metro area, treadmills and, and ellipticals, and we take in used fitness uh, equipment in that it's in phenomenal shape and we sell it at a discounted rate and hopefully get it back out to the community. Uh, we have our rapid retail, um, our rapid retreats, like I mentioned, where we do a mini version of the facility. So it's a weekend pack full of health, wellness um, activities for, especially for people with disabilities um, that is adaptive, etc. And so at these retreats, we'll take in, you know, 15 to 20 people at a time and really just show them how great life can be when services are accessible, etc. Um, we also are looking to build an app 
we have it designed and we're looking for a development team right now um, and this app is all inclusive so it will have um, fitness and wellness activities etc um, COVID really highlighted the need for community as well as resources at the palm of your hand um, and so this app will have everything that's specialized to the user. So for instance, my profile would say I'm legally blind. And so anything that was pertinent to the blind community would pop up first. I can access all the information on the app. It doesn't exclude anything, but it gives me the information that I will be able to access first. Um, and so our app is, we're really excited about it and we're really looking for a development team to help us out on that. Um, and so we have a lot going for us. We're, we're making progress. We're still so young. Um, my Hood to Coast team, if anybody's out there listening, Hood to Coast, we have a Hood to Coast uh, relay team that is going to run uh, this weekend. And so we're just raising awareness and and raising funds for that. And so that's really exciting. Um, and then we're also doing some Pints and Paints events just to get people together for the first time. We have not been able to, been able to meet our donors, our constituents, our supporters, our amazing family that's around us in person very much um, we've done a lot of zoom we've done a lot of stuff there but we're really wanting to engage with our community so we also have another program that's on the verge and i'm, I'm not going to spill the beans yet but um, that's rapid in a nutshell we're really trying to build awareness around the health and well-being of people and veterans with disabilities because the health outcomes are significantly worse for those without with disabilities. Um, the employment numbers are significantly worse for those with disabilities. And so we want to give people the opportunity to um, see that there's more and to bring business into that as well and, and have business support in all of, all of the different areas that we will help uh, people thrive. And so that's rapid in a nutshell. We are looking to accept, embrace, and help people accept, embrace, and thrive in their lives. Um, okay, so to wrap up next week, I'm going to be talking about six-year-old questions. And so I, uh, if you're on the live uh, internet, the, the, the site there, there's a place to ask questions. And so as of next week, I really want to hear questions from the audience. And I'll explain six-year-old questions next week. So don't, don't worry, but it's a really fun concept that I integrate into all of my classes personally um, when I'm teaching and really getting people to understand the things that we all wanted to know as six-year-olds but never able to ask. Um, and so I integrate this opportunity into all of my classes. Again, I am not about shaming anybody for where they're at. If you don't know, you don't know. If you want to know, let's start that journey. And so really encouraging folks to start reading, doing their homework, but also having a platform to ask those six-year-old questions. And so that's where I'm at and what we will offer um, next week. I'll talk a ton about it. Um, again, the websites are out there. I'm really excited to be on the network here. And I want to know what all of you want me to talk about in this and on this platform here um, in the coming months, years, however long I stay on here. So um, I hope everyone has a fantastic week. 
I hope uh, we are all able to really accept where we're at and where we can grow and really be willing to explore those areas of growth and to make this this world a better place to live in for all of us. That's that's the goal there is to be better every day. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Human Is My Label podcast, helping people get comfortable with the uncomfortable with your host, Emily Purry. Legally blind herself, Emily has learned to overcome adversities that stuck her midway through her life. And because of that, she believes that every employee and customer should feel as if they belong, are accepted, and celebrated for their true self. Human Is My Label podcast uncovers the uncomfortable and invites the conversation of compassion. If you're interested in coaching, corporate training or rapid go to rapidoregon.org for more information about emily and her journey be sure to visit purryco.com that's purryco.com and tune in next time for human is my label with emily purry